Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I don't need to tell you that life gets hard. Life gets hard, really hard. But God's faithfulness is still active and alive in our hard. And these episodes are dedicated to remembering and claiming the promises of a faithful God. I'm your host, Angie Bauman. I'm a pastor and Bible teacher, founder of Steady On Ministries, and creator of the Step-by-Step Bible Study Method. But more than that, I'm a trauma and abuse survivor who carried a heavy weight of shame and worthlessness for many years, and I still struggle, but I live in much more freedom now because I know God through His Word and speak truth to the lies of the enemy with His Word. And that's what we do here. On Mondays, we take it in by studying the promises of God, and on Wednesdays, we live it out with teaching and testimony on the promises of God. So thank you for tuning in, my friend. You are the reason for this show. And I'm so very, very glad you are here. Let's get started. Welcome. Today, we're going to take it in with Colossians 3.14 using my step-by-step Bible study method. And you will find links to a study sheet as well as videos for the step-by-step masterclass in today's show notes if you'd like to learn more. Colossians 3.14 in the ESV says this, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So just a little overview of the book of Colossians, and I get a lot of this information from different resources using Logos, and all the resources that I use to put an episode together can be found in the show notes as well. The author is the Apostle Paul, and a couple of notes on the authorship. It says, although the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church of Colossae, we do not believe he was the one who started the church, nor had he ever been to the city. It was most likely the result of Paul's three-year ministry in Ephesus, which was less than 100 miles away. So effective was Paul's preaching and teaching that his converts spread the message out of Ephesus throughout the region known as Asia Minor. And I just, I think this is such an important reminder that we often do not know where our message of God's love and grace will go, right? We are called to preach, if you will, um, to share our message, to be witness to God's goodness and our experiences with God, our life experiences with God, to wherever we are, um, to whoever we meet, right? That's our call. But we do not know where that message will go. And I just think that this is such a, a tangible reminder of that. So the Apostle Paul is the author. The audience is the church at Colossae. The date written is around AD 60 to 61. It is a prison epistle and it was written during it written from Rome, sorry, written from Rome during Paul's first imprisonment there, as recorded in Acts 28:30, and he also wrote Ephesians and Philemon there. It is a letter and the major themes of the book of Colossians are Christ, the church, the gospel, the Christian life. It reminds the believers to not turn aside or fall victim to those who would minimize Christ and lead the church into empty philosophies and humanism. One of the things that Paul was writing against in Colossians was the rise of Gnosticism. And I encourage you to look that up. If you if you don't know much about Gnosticism, maybe we'll talk about that on a different episode. But um, but that was one of the things, the popular teachings that was rising, and he was really speaking against that in the book of Colossians. It goes on to say in Logo Software, already there were many false teachers and cults that were forming and deceiving new believers and drawing them away from the supremacy of Christ. 
And many have noted that all of Paul of all of Paul's letters, Colossians speaks more to the importance of Christ than any other. And so that's a good thing for us to remember too. When faced with false teachings, or when faced with an issue of discernment in our own life, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. And when we're facing an issue of discernment, the most important thing to go back to is what we know of Christ. Sometimes we want to look at what we know of the person who's teaching or what they're teaching and try to pick that apart. But really the only thing we need to do is hold up the the person, the life, the fruit of their life, the fruit of their teaching to the example of Jesus Christ. We compare it only to that, right? When we can, when that is the the thing by which the person by which we are comparing, then we can decide if the teaching is the right instruction to sit under. So chapter three in Colossians, this is from the Enduring Word Commentary, uh, it has a theme of putting off and putting on. So we are putting off the old sinful person and we are putting on the new Christ-like person. And our verse comes in the put on the new section and specifically talks about the life of the new person. Paul says, as the holy ones of God, right before our verse, he's saying, as the holy ones of God, put on tender mercies put on kindness, put on humility. This is how we become a new Christ-like person. He says, forgive one another. And then our verse again, Colossians 3, 14 says, and above all of these, above tender mercies, above kindness, above humility, above forgiveness, this is me. And then 3, 14, Paul says, above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so step one in the step-by-step method is to choose our word. Our word today is binds. The definition of binds is to tie or fasten something tightly, to cohere, to form a whole or cause to cohere in a single mass. So it's something that's bringing it together and sticking it together and keeping it together. The opposite of binds is to separate, disconnect, unlink, disunite, disjoin, split, sever, divide, sunder, part, or detach. Step two in the step-by-step method is to investigate. We divide that up into four parts. And part one is to compare this word in other translations. There are lots of different ways that the Bible translations uh, communicate this word binds. And so in the ASV, it says the bond of, CEV ties, ERV holds. Philip says love is the golden chain. The TLB says, stay together. The WE joins. The Passion Translation says, love becomes the mark of true maturity. And the message says, it's your basic all-purpose garment. Interesting. So I'm going to plug a couple of both of those in. And above all these, put on love, which binds. Love is the bond of everything. Love ties everything together. Love holds everything together. Love is the golden chain. Love makes it stay together. Love joins it together. Part two in the investigate step is to research the original word. For my Strong's friend, the number is G4886, sundesimos. And it means a joint tie. That makes me think of something like uh, that we use in the garage, like when we're bundling cables or something like that. You know, those plastic ties that you pull something tight and then they don't get all scattered? A joint tie or a ligament or a uniting principle. 
ligaments are those things, right, that hold our body together, right? Our, I'm not a I'm not a, a medical person at all, but I believe that I know that that's what keeps our uh, our our body, our bones, and things, right, like doing t- together and not falling apart, which is another um, another neat illustration to think about this. That the love is the thing that does that in relationships, right? The thing that that thing that holds those cable, that plastic tie that holds those cables together and keeps them from separating the ligaments that holds our body together so it can function and doesn't just fall apart all the time. That is what love does to relationships. It also means another word for this binds is fetter. And I happen to love the word fetter. I I sat with the word fetter some years ago because the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, do you know that hymn? I love that hymn. And there's a line or a couple lines in there that says, um, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. That hymn talks about how my heart is prone to wander. And I so much do not want my heart to be prone to wander. And yet my pride, oh, my pride, my pride causes me to believe that I am the God of my own life. And even though I don't wander away, like I consider not being someone in relationship with God, not that kind of wandering away, but every time I decide to make a decision in my own resources, to make a decision that benefits me first to make a decision without submitting myself to his instruction. My heart is wandering. And so I think about this, the way that love binds us in relationship is the way that I want my love for God, um, his love for me to bind me to him um, so that my heart doesn't wander. And so that it's just so willing to be pliable and moldable and submissive to what he wants for me. The Theological Dictionary of the New Testament says that this word means the middle thing by which two or more things are joined together. It's the glue, right? If something falls off and shatters or whatever breaks, maybe it doesn't shatter because that's pretty hard to put back together, but it breaks, you know, in your kitchen or something like that, and you get out the super glue there's this substance between, you know, the handle of the mug and the, the the body of the mug, if you will, right? There's this substance that keeps that handle on there. And that substance is the glue. It's the middle thing. And this is what this is what uh, this verse is saying, that love is that middle thing that binds it together to make the thing that without it wouldn't be usable, right? Without love, relationships are going to fall apart like our body without ligaments, Part three of the investigate step is to read some commentary. I have a couple of things that I want to share with you from the enduring word commentary. It says love perfectly fulfills what God requires of us in all relationships. All relationships are beneficial. They are a gift. They are a blessing. If love is the primary ingredient, right? That's what God wants. I remember when I first was in ministry, I guess when I was first in ministry, yeah, I'll say that we were invited to start and lead a junior high youth group at the church where we were attending. And my dad was the senior pastor there at the time. And I went into it with some trepidation because I had never done anything like that before. Matt and I were newly married. We didn't have children of our own. 
quite honestly, we didn't even know if we liked kids that much and we hadn't really ever talked about it, but this door opened up. It seemed like the right thing. And I remember talking to my dad about it and just kind of saying, is there a possibility that I could mess this up really bad? You know, <laughs> and of course, there's always a possibility that we can step far enough out of God's will for us that we will damage other people. But what I was really asking is, am I enough to do this job? And my dad said to me something that I've held on to for a long time. And he says, if you love the Lord and you love these kids, everything else will fall into place. And I think about that sometimes in our relationships, because sometimes there are things that can feel really hard or hopeless, or we go through in our marriage or in our parenting or with friendships, we go through a season where just things are not connecting, they're not clicking, and we wonder what can we do. And I think, I think I know actually the only thing that we can ever do is ask ourselves the question, what does love look like today, right? How do I love this person well? Because if we love the Lord and we're listening to him, and we are doing our very best to love this other person well. And that doesn't mean that we like just do anything they want us to do or whatever. I'm not saying that. What does it look like to love this person well? If we love the Lord and love them well, then we are doing everything we can do. John M.G. Barclay, the commentator, says this about this verse. The love that constitutes the supreme clothing of the new humanity. Remember, we were talking about putting on the new. So this is like taking off the old clothing of the sinful life and putting on the new clothing of a relationship in Jesus Christ or being more like Jesus Christ. But this supreme clothing of the new humanity can be described as the bond of perfection, perhaps in the sense of the bond that brings about perfection. For the Christian community to display love is not, therefore, to practice some private virtue or special habit. Love is the means by which the true humanity reaches its highest potential. It is through such a bond that the whole body grows. What if that was our only goal? When we got up in the morning, when we went through our day, if our goal was just, how do I show love today? Love is the gift of perfection. Part four in the investigate step is to try to rewrite the verse in our own words. And I'm going to read the verse again. This is from the ESV. Just go back to the original. It says, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And I wrote, rewrote the verse like this. I said, more than any other quality or virtue to pursue, pursue, put on and wear love. Love is the thing that covers and pulls everything in together. It's what makes things work together, play together, sing together. It's what makes a relationship move forward. It's what makes Christ known to the world. Step three in the investigate step, no, step three of the step-by-step -step method is to find the heart, the character, the promises of God. And I wrote down a couple of things that stand out to me. The first one was that he is my defense when sin and pride would pull relationships apart, God's love will fight for unity and strength. One of the things that I've told my kids before, it's so easy to speak into the lives of my children and ignore where I need to do this myself. But one of the things my kids, my boys fight, they both have this thing where they need to be right. And sometimes, a lot of times, actually, they're both really smart young men. And a lot of times, they're both right. You know what I mean? But they're just standing on their rightness and refusing to compromise and see where the other one is right. And oh, it makes me crazy, as you can tell. 
And one of the things that I have said to them, maybe not always in a loving tone is you have to make a choice. Do you want to be loving or do you want to be right? Which do you want to be? Because sometimes you can't be both. Sometimes you have to surrender your desire to be right in a relationship in order to be loving. And it doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean that you even say that you're wrong, but it means you choose loving, that loving is your first goal and right maybe is your second goal. I will have to say more than once they've looked at me and said, I'd rather be right, which so we're still working on that. But I know that feeling. Don't you know that feeling where you're like, I'm standing here and I know I'm right. And I want that to be the thing that I wear. And this verse is saying, you you can wear that. You can wear that right if you want to. And you might not even be wrong to wear the right. But what do you want to be? Do you want to be someone who's right? Or do you want to be someone who's loving? The other thing about God that I uh, pulled out of this was that he is excellent and that he's calling us to be excellent. Choosing love is a higher, more excellent road than the cheaper things the world tells us relationships can be held together with. Step four in the method is to identify the lie And here's just a couple of things that I wrote down. Love is slow. Love is weak. Love will not move you ahead. The thing with the lie that's important to remember as we try to identify more and more about what the enemy is sort of whispering in our ear is that there's always a half truth. And so it may be true that love and loving someone well brings about slow change. It may be true that the world sees love as weakness. It may be true that love will not move us ahead in this world as fast as some other things that we can choose. That may There may be truth in that, but ultimately love will take us farther and make us stronger and move us forward faster than anything else we can choose. Step five is simply called, so what? where we just try to jot down or make mental note of a takeaway. And my takeaway today sends us to another part of scripture. My takeaway says, remember the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians 13, uh, a few verses to you, verses 4 through 9. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is, does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's what binds us together. That's what holds us together. That's what creates a harmony in relationships. And I remember so often in my life, the, uh, a teaching from Pastor Andy Stanley, one time in a sermon, he asked the question, what does love require of me today? And so I just encourage you, my friend, and wherever you find yourself today to ask the question, what does love require of me today? Because unity is counting on us to choose love. I'd love to hear your takeaway. If you have a takeaway and you want to tell me what it is, you can email me at steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. 
If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast on whatever directory you use to listen. You use to listen. It only takes a second and it guarantees you will receive every episode. And I encourage you to tune in this week on Wednesday for our Live It Out episode with Lisa Jacobson. Lisa and I talked about the importance of having meaningful conversations in our close relationships. It's hard sometimes to go deep in conversation and it's easy to avoid doing so. But loving conversations are are a way to live out our verse today. It's a way to put on love that we've been talking about from Colossians 3.14. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.